Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church in Wilson, Oklahoma, preaching the weekly teaching and preaching ministry of the church. We are grateful that you are choosing to join us today. Our prayer is that you are blessed by today's study of God's Word, and your heart will be receptive to what God desires to teach you today. For more information about FBC Wilson, please visit our website at fbcwilson.org. We hope you enjoyed today's service, and we look forward to studying God's Word with you today. If you have a Bible and you want to start in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 1 would be a good place that we're going to kick off. Uh, you can, If you have a finger, extra finger, a bookmark, you can put it in Matthew 1 and Luke 1, 2 right there. Those are the two main places that we're going to be turning back and forth. So you may find yourself in Matthew 1 or Matthew 2, and then you may turn over to Luke 1 or Luke 2 um, and back and forth. So we have on Wednesday nights been looking at different character studies. And so we've talked about in the past how God's Word is an example. It's a model. Um, it's something that is meant for us to obey and to be faithful to. But also we have different men and women in the Bible that live lives that are an example of us, of how they responded to God, how God responded to them, how we can learn, how we can live faithfully and obediently based upon lessons that we learn from them. And so we've been looking at these character studies. And as we go through here, we look at a different person every single week asking the same three basic questions. Who were they? Why do we know them? And what lessons do they teach us? So these different characters, we're just going through there. We're asking the question um, biographically as far as just trivia question, trivia knowledge about who they were. And then why why are they significant? Why would we know about them in Scripture? And then what are some lessons that we can take from their lives and then apply to our daily lives today? So anybody remember who we talked about last week? Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? So tonight we're going to talk about Joseph, the father of Jesus. Now we, we qualify it because the Bible gives us numerous Marys through Scripture. And the same way with Joseph, we have numerous Josephs through Scripture. So if I say, well, we're just going to talk about Joseph, you may say, well, which Joseph? So we're defining it by Joseph, the father of Jesus. So as we look at, we looked at Mary last week, um, looking at Joseph today, we're going to ask those three questions. Who was he? More biographical as far as um, home address, GPA in high school. What sport did he play? Father, mother, brother, sister, second cousin, twice removed, whatever. Then think about why do we know him? Why is he significant in Scripture? Why, why, why is that somebody that we should even pay attention to? And then what are some lessons that we can learn from the life of Joseph? So... Biographically, who was he? What do we know about Joseph? His father was Jacob. His father was Jacob. Why do you know that? Says in verse 16. Says in verse 16. Alright, so he says in verse 16 that he, when it talks about the genealogy, that's right, Matt. So he is the son um, of Jacob. What else do we know about him? He had five boys. How do we know that? In Mark 6, 3. And he had daughters, but he didn't say how many. So, maybe. But when you get to Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it only references Mary. 
it doesn't say Joseph. Now, could it have? Could Joseph and Mary have had the, the other children? Yes, but it doesn't say that he does. And so, I don't want to say he did or he didn't. I just want to be very careful that when sometimes I have a fault of making assumptions and reading something in. So he could have, but I would stop short myself of saying he did, just because it doesn't say specifically that he did. Does that make sense, Hurley? So he could have, he could have not. Um, I, I don't think. I don't think that's a matter of you know heresy or a matter of false teaching. If we say he did, it's just doesn't specifically say it. So, what else do we know about him? <coughs> what? He was. Carpenter. carpenter, yes, okay. So that he had a trade, he was a, a marksman, he was a carpenter. What else do we know about him? He was in the line of David. He was in the line of David? Alright. So Matt said that his father was Jacob. Do we have anywhere else that talks about his family? Yes, I'm setting you up. Okay, so you got your finger. You got your finger there in Matthew chapter 1. So then turn, if you would, over to Luke chapter 3. Alright, so I think I, I think I said at the very end of last week, talking about maybe some homework if you want, and if you've got all kinds of spare time and insomnia that you're dealing with, you might go and might try to track this down. So you get over to Luke chapter 3, and there's another genealogy given. And it starts in verse 23, and if you go back to Matthew chapter 1, it starts in verse 2, or starts in verse 1, talking about Jesus being the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then it starts with Abraham in verse 2, and it works down to Jesus. You go to Luke chapter 3 and starting in verse 23 the genealogy starts with Jesus and goes all the way back up to who? Adam, Adam. So it tells, I'm not, I, that's not a setup. So in verse 38, it ends at Adam. Except for, so the question that, the, the, the question that you might get, that you might get caught with is in verse 23, who does it say the father of Joseph is? Healy? Heli? Heli? Whatever. And you, I, I don't have the pronoun. We can say it however you want to say it because I, I, I don't know the right way. Okay, so... Here's the question. So in Matthew 1, it says that Joseph was the son of Jacob. In Luke chapter 3, verse 23, it says that he was the son of Heli. Now, how do we reconcile that? I can already hear your voice. You're like, it's not our job, it's your job, Spence. Tell us. So how do we how do we find, how do we make sense of this? Because, because you will find people that will go to Matthew 1 and they'll read down through there. And if you look at Matthew chapter 1, you starting in verse 2 and you're going all the way down to verse 17, it gives us three pairs of 14s. In fact, it says so much in uh, verse 17. It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations from David to the deportation to Babylon. 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. So there's three sets of 14 that Matthew gives us in his genealogical account. You get to Luke chapter 3, and he traces it different, but he, instead of, the names are different. So if you go back and compare the names from 
he begat who, and this guy begat this guy, and this guy begat that guy. The names are different. And so there have been some people that have um, been critical of the Word of God, that have come to these two and said, see, they don't match. That means the Bible is not true. Take the whole thing, throw it out, and let's start all over. Yes, sir? Isn't Matthew 23, isn't that Mary's genealogy? So that has been a popular, that has been a popular teaching, traditional teaching out there, they would actually say the, the popular idea out there was Luke is actually the genealogy of excuse me, of Mary or Matthew is the genealogy of Joseph. So that was something that I was taught whenever I was younger. Actually, the, one of the key ways to know that is Matthew 6, verse 1, verse 6 uh-huh. talks about David and having Solomon. Uh-huh. But then in Luke 3, 31, it is Nathan, the son of David. Yes. So there's two different sons of David. Yes. Which makes it two different lines. Yes. Yes. So I was taught when I was younger that Luke 3 was the lineage of Mary, Matthew 1 was the lineage of Joseph. The problem with that is it doesn't say it. <laughs> so my Sunday school teacher, I think, was very well-intentioned and had a very sweet heart, and she was probably just repeating what she had been told. The problem is, is you get to Matthew 1 or Luke 3, it says the father of Joseph, right? Do you, do you, are you, you tracking with me on that? So it says in verse 23 of Luke 3, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 38 years of age, being the son, as supposed of Joseph, the son of Heli, and then it goes on. So could it be that Luke 3 is the genealogy of Mary? It could be, but it doesn't say that. It gives the way the, the translation is written. It gives the indication it's Joseph. So you're going... So are you just trying to build in doubt, Spence? No, I'm not trying to build in doubt. So then what's the answer? Well, let me give you a series of possibilities that are out there. Um, I do not have a definite that this is the... This is the way. I can just tell you that there have been a variety of ideas presented as how do we reconcile this. So one of the differences is through the concept of leveret marriage. You all remember back to your Old Testament concept of leveret marriage. So the way that leveret marriage would work is Matthew Gillentine marries a woman. They do not have any children. But they want to perpetuate the lineage of Matthew Gillentine. So the way that it would work is, is that his brother Brandon would step in, marry the same woman, all right, have children with that woman, but consider them part of the lineage of Matthew. Okay, So that is what they considered leveret marriage as a way of perpetuating that family lineage. So you would see this done uh, Genesis 37 um, where you have the conversation, maybe 38, where you have the conversation of Judah and Tamar because Tamar was married to a brother. That brother died, so she was given to the second brother. He did some shenanigans and didn't do what he was supposed to. God killed him, and then she thought, I'm going to married to the third brother, and he was just a wee little lad, and you, you can go back and read that story, but you see a picture of that principle of leveret marriage, okay? Alright? So, some people have postured
postulated, or that's just a, a seminary word for they have guessed or they have surmised, that maybe this is a picture of leveret marriage. So in Matthew 1, there's the lineage of, and we just keep using this, this is the lineage of Matthew Gillentine, but you get to Luke 3, they're using the lineage of Brandon Gillentine. Does that make sense? That's an idea. Now, you sit there and go, well, that, that, that still doesn't make sense. That still doesn't make sense because Matthew and Brandon both have the same father, Ben, so that doesn't work. Yeah, I know it doesn't work. That's why I'm saying it's an idea that's being presented by people out there as a way of explaining. Okay, So that's one idea. The other idea that's been out there is that Matthew 1 is the lineage of Joseph. Luke 3 is the lineage of Mary. But why does it say Joseph there? It's because when Joseph, um, let me back up, Mary's father did not have any sons. So to perpetuate his lineage, whenever Joseph and Mary got married, Mary's father adopted Joseph as his son. So therefore, you get to Luke 3, that would put Joseph and Mary as both having the same father, genealogically speaking. I don't even know if that, I may, I may have just made that up, but... But, but you think, if you're going to trace the lineage, so some people have suggested that maybe Mary's father adopted Joseph, and that's why you see the distinction. You say, well, Spence, is that true? Well, we don't have a chapter and verse that says, yes, it is, and we don't have a chapter and verse that says, no, it's not. So what do you do when you don't have one that says yes or no? You don't be firm about yes or no. You say, well, that's an idea that's out there. That is possible. Then another idea that's been presented is when you think about the difference between um, legal versus biological. So Charles pointed that out, that in one account it talks about Solomon, David, then Solomon. In another account it talks about David, then Nathan. So some have guessed that maybe that Matthew, because Matthew is writing to who? He's writing to the Jews, right? So he is trying to establish that Jesus is the rightful Messiah. And in order to do that, he has to be down from Abraham, down through David. He has to be part of that legal lineage. So that's been an idea that's been put out there. And then they said that Luke 3 is actually the biological lineage. So it doesn't actually track from legal standing to legal standing, but from biological parent to biological parent. There's a lot of questions with that. There's a lot of things with that that I'm like, I don't think so. Then you go back and you say, well, there's another idea out there. You go back to Matthew chapter 1 and they say that there's 14 generations from here to here to here. And then you go back to the book of Chronicles. Those aren't accurate numbers. There's more, there's more than just 14 generations in some of those splits. So there have been some people out there that have said, well, they didn't get every single one. Does that make sense? So it went from Brandon Gillotine and it skipped Ben and it went to Ben's father and that they, they skipped every other one, hopscotched it, so that's why you have different names. Some people have said that they thought that maybe they used the first name and the other lineage used the middle name. There's a lot of different ideas out there. Where do I lean personally? I lean that 
Matthew, the whole goal of Matthew is to show us the standing that Christ has to the office of Messiah through the line of Abraham. So he shows us how we can track from Abraham through the generations down to Jesus to say, as God promised Abraham that your seed would be the Messiah, he is saying from Abraham, we're going to trace this down. So I lean towards the maybe the, the legal standing idea that's out there, whereas I think Luke is saying, I am not going to show his legal standing, I'm going to show his humanity. Because there's also the question, is he really man? Is he really human? We have God in the flesh, and there's always been that question about how much God and how much man is there within the body of Christ. So when Luke is giving his genealogical account, he is tracing him back to Adam to not show that he is a rightful heir to the lineage of Abraham, but to say he is a man coming from the loins of Adam. So he tends more to the biological side. And you may say, well, Spence, that doesn't answer the question about why the different names. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And as long as you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there will be a day. There will be a day that you will have an opportunity to ask Matthew and to ask Luke. You might even be able to get them at the same table in the same room at the same moment. You might be able to get them to say, explain this to me. And they will probably say, oh, that's just simple. And then you'll be like, oh, got it. Okay. But until then, we'll just have to leave it up to. They're both there. They're both true even if we may not be able to fully reconcile it to the satisfaction of all our curiosities. I think there are things that God puts in there to say, there's going to be some things that are a matter of faith. And if everything is provable by my limited brain, then God is not very creative. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's some things that God puts in my life that says, this is a matter of faith, not a matter of logical explanation. Right? We got the Trinity over there for the Yes, yes, like the Trinity, yes. So I don't know if that helps add any kind of clarity or maybe just adds more confusion. Um, but I also, but I just, I don't want to leave you flat-footed because I don't want you to get into a, a conversation with somebody and they say, well, who is Joseph's daddy? Well, it is Jacob. And they're like, ha, see, we got you. And they go off and do some, do some crazy stuff. And then you're just like, well, why didn't Spence tell it? Why didn't Lee Spence give me a heads up? All right. So now you have a heads up. There are two different ways you can look at that. Um, a lot of different um, ideas that are out there by people that have studied this a whole lot more than me. And uh, I don't think there's a definite answer that I can give you from a chapter and verse perspective. Okay? Clear as mud? Yes, sir. Is Kelly or Eli or uh, is he mentioned anywhere else in the I didn't see him anywhere, but I, there's always the possibility that maybe I missed something. But so I've actually heard it explained another way. But <laughs> sure. So maybe start studying it a little harder. Sure. To kind of have an idea of why you're right. I mean, there's no definite answer to Right. Right. And like I said, I, I think my Sunday school teacher growing up was well-intentioned. That's just what she'd probably been taught. And that was something that for a 
child's mind. I was like, okay, this is Joseph, this is Mary, and we go on. And then later on, you read it and you're like, but it doesn't say that. Uh, so how do I, you know? So sometimes you run into that. Okay. So what else? What else? Do we know anything else about Joseph biographically? Okay. What? He was from Nazareth of Galilee. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Do what? He was the husband of Mary. He was the husband of Mary. That's right. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so let's talk about why do we know about him? Why do we know him? Obviously. Did he raise Jesus? He helped raise Jesus. Yes. Okay. Do we know how long he helped raise Jesus? Until Jesus died? Until he died. Do we know when he died? We don't. So do we know how long he was alive during the life of Jesus? Well, at least until 12. We know at least until 12. That's right. How do we know that? Because uh, he was 12 years old whenever he stayed at the temple. Uh-huh. After Passover and his family was going back home in a day's journey, they figured out, uh-oh, it's not here. That's right. I have to go back again. <laughs> that's right. So that, that so that's Luke 2, where it talks about how his parents, they go to the temple, and he stay, Jesus stays in the temple, and he's schooling some of the, the religious leaders. That's my paraphrase, okay? That's not, that's not, that's not verbatim, but he, he's schooling some of the, the older people, and uh, they assume he's with in the caravan. They leave, get a day's journey. Jesus isn't here. Go back. They find him. It takes a full day to find him. By the, and so anyway, so we know that we have Joseph. Joseph and Mary on the scene at 12 years of age. Do we have any other pictures of Joseph in the life of Jesus after that? No. So some have assumed or put out the idea that somewhere between obviously 12 and 30, obviously between 12 and Jesus' death, he died. Why do we know that? Because Jesus on the cross, this would be John chapter 19 maybe. Don't quote me on this, but there's a scene there where Jesus is on the cross. He looks down at the disciple John and realizes that his mother is widowed and hands off the responsibility for the care of his mother to the disciple John. So we have, we're on good ground to have the assumption that at the crucifixion, Joseph was no longer in the picture. Right? So, but we don't know where between age 12 and the death at roughly age age 33, roughly, ballpark, we don't know where Joseph would have passed away. There have been some that said, oh, well, he died when Joseph was a teenager. Okay, that's an idea. When Jesus was a teenager. When Jesus was a teenager, yes. So there have been some that have recommended that because when Jesus starts his earthly ministry at the age of 30, there's no mention of Joseph. Well, that's a possibility except for it doesn't say it. And I want to be really careful about saying that it is when it doesn't say that it is. Okay? I mean, I'm into conspiracies and throwing out ideas and suggestions just as much as everybody else, but I want to be really careful when we come together that we think, what does the Bible say, not what do we think? Does that make sense? So the age when he died? Yes. Jesus or Joseph? Joseph? We don't. I, I could not find any biblical account of the death of Joseph, the age of Joseph, the age of Jesus when Joseph died. There are 
guesses that are out there. And there's even people that have a lot of letters after their name that have written ideas about it. But we don't know. So Luke chapter 2 is the last scene that we have of Joseph. And then after that, the camera shifts. And we're not, we're not seeing that. Okay? So we know about Joseph. So on the second question, why do we know him? We know him because, excuse me, because he was the husband of Mary. Because um, the way I term, my terminology is, he was the parent of Jesus. He wasn't the father of Jesus. He was the parent of Jesus, right? Uh, what else? What would be another reason why we would know about Joseph? Is that pretty much it? Did you cover David? Did I cover David? I David. What about him? And he came well, we covered that in the genealogy. Yes, sir. So we know that Joseph, the husband of Mary, we know that he provided, right? We know that he provided care. We know that he provided both shelter. Um, if you go back to Luke chapter 2, and you'll see the same thing, I think, in Mark chapter 2, you will see where, remember, the story is Mary and Joseph have Jesus in Bethlehem. They are there. If you follow the timeline, they are there until the wise men, the magi, show up. It wasn't the night of. Um, so that's that's a that's a myth that is promoted in the Christmas hymns and the and the, the those the those songs. Um, so they were there until the wise men, the magi, showed up, and then at some point, Joseph is warned by dream to take the baby down to Egypt. Right? Does anybody remember why? He was warned to take the baby to Egypt? Because of Herod? Right? So what was Herod going to do? Why was he going to kill him? Because he didn't want Jesus to be king. Right. So when the wise men, the magi, when they were on their way to see Jesus, they stopped off at Herod and said, Hey, did you not realize that the king has been born? And Herod was like... Didn't know about this. Why nobody briefed me on this? And then the idea was is that the wise men were going to go back to Herod and give him a report of what they saw, where they're at, blah 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 blah. The wise men got warned in a dream not to go back that way, so they went off in a different direction. And the Bible says that Herod caught on to it, realized that he'd been tricked. Now he's mad, so now he goes down and kills every male child under the age of two in that area of Bethlehem because he didn't know which one, but he thought he'd just he'd get him if he got all of them, right? Tracking with me? Alright, so somewhere in there, the, the warning came from God, get down to Egypt. So Joseph, Mary, Jesus, took off to Egypt for how long? To where? That's right. So he, they stayed down in Egypt, Herod died, they found out that Herod died, so then they came back up. Where did they came, where were they originally going to settle when they came back up? They were originally going to settle in Bethlehem, but it tells, and I'm, I'm, and please don't think I'm just making all this up. So <laughs> let me let me get you back where I'm coming from. So, uh, this will be in Matthew. This is where I'm coming from in Matthew. So in Matthew. Doo -doo -doo -doo, Matthew 19, alright? So, Matthew 2, verse 19. Alright, so it says, Herod died. Angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go back to the land of Israel. So, they were getting ready to head back up. 
but they are afraid because Archelaus, this is verse 22, Archelaus, probably pronouncing that wrong, um, was Herod's son. He was reigning over the area of Bethlehem. So they said, we're not going to go back to Bethlehem. We are actually going to go back and we're going to return back to Galilee, which is the region, and Nazareth, the town. And that's why they ended back up in Nazareth of Galilee was because not only was that is where they originally from, but because that would be a more favorable government that they were going to be a part of. Does that make sense? Make sense? Alright, so we know that Joseph, the husband of Mary, the parent of Jesus, he provided for them. Um, obviously, he, he provided a home, he provided a wage, he provided food, he took care of them. And then if you go back over to Luke, it reminds us that he led out and he made sure that they followed the customs and followed the law. If you go over there to Luke... Um, him circumcised on the eighth day. That is Luke 2 and verse 21. Luke 2 and verse 39 says when they performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. Then you get down to verse 41 and it talks about how they were keeping the law by going up to the festivals and taking their family and going up there and presenting. And so all of these things give us a picture that why do we know about Joseph? Yeah, because who who he's married to? The parent of Jesus. But also there's things that he was doing, example that he have of his obedience and his faith to God and his leadership in the family of making sure his family was doing what they're supposed to be doing. Any other reason why you may think of that we know about Joseph? Okay? He was obedient. He was obedient. Yes. Okay? So let's ask the question, so what lessons do we learn about the life of Joseph? What are some lessons? Obedience, you said. Do you want to? Faith God told him. Do what God told him. Okay. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. So let me show you. Let me show you that just something that that I that I saw really for the first time that just kind of stuck with me. When God gives the message to Mary about what's going to happen to Jesus, how does He do it? He sends an angel that has a conversation with Mary, right? And as that angel, and this, so this would be, before you think that I'm just going off on my own here, uh, so this would be Luke chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 26, all the way down to thir- verse 38, alright? So, when God wants to communicate to Mary that you're going to have a child, it's going to be a supernatural birth, the immaculate conception, you're going to have a child, his name is going to be Jesus, etc. He sends an angel, right? The angel has a conversation with Mary, in in fact, you look up there in Luke chapter 1 and verse 34, Mary actually speaks to the angel. Tracking? So that's how God did it with Mary. How did God do it with Zechariah? He shut his mouth. He shut his mouth, but how did he communicate to Zechariah? With an angel. That's right. A physical, a, a physical present of an angel. So you see this in Luke and chapter 1. Zechariah, you may say, well, who is that again? Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. John, Zechariah was married to him by the name of Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Mary were cousins? 
Relatives. Relatives. All right, good. See, that, you all make me so proud of you. Okay, so the relatives could have been cousins. All right, I'm not saying they weren't cousins. I'm just saying that's another thing that it doesn't say they were cousins. just says that they were relatives. All right, so just, you know, we can always make sure that what we're saying is what the Bible says and not what we may assume. So Luke chapter 1, Zechariah is a priest. He has the opportunity to offer the yearly sacrifice. And so he's in the Holy of Holies offering the sacrifice. And it says, oh, I lost it. I lost it. Where does it say? Where does it say? Uh, Verse 11. Luke chapter 1 verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And so there was a physical presence. An angel showed up. And then, again, verse 18 of Luke chapter 1, Zechariah has an opportunity to then speak to the angel. So there's a conversation. Because as Zechariah says, how shall I know this? And the angel's like, me talking to you is not enough? I mean, it's like the angel's like, you don't get it? You don't understand it? And that's when the angel made him mute until after... Not just after John the Baptist was born, but after they named John the Baptist, which is something they did days after the birth. Okay? So, why did I bring that up? How did God communicate it to Joseph? What? An angel. It says an angel? In a dream. Now, is there is there a difference between a dream and somebody showing up in the flesh? To me, I think there is. I think there is. I think I think if I'm sitting here and um, Matthew Gillentine shows up and he is Clarence off of It's a Wonderful Life and uh, doesn't really have the hair for it, but he could. So so he shows up and he is he's Clarence. Um, that's that's different than me having a dream because I have had some really good indigestion, <laughs> right? And you know how sometimes um, when you're asleep, some of you, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm the only one in the room, maybe I'm the weird guy, but whenever I'm asleep, I have a variety of dreams, right? I mean, there's even times that I have made Jaylene mad in her dream about me. <laughs> And maybe she's the only spouse in the room that that's ever happened to. But there's been times, like in the morning, she was mad at me because of something I did in her dream. All right? You're sorry. And you know, you know me, I would never make her mad, right? So you know that has to be something fictitious, something way wacky out there in a dream. Right? So, so, it, so in my mind, the way I think about it is, is that you have Zechariah and you have Mary and an angel actually physically appeared and there was a conversation, a two-way conversation. Joseph sits down, he falls asleep in a dream, he sees in a dream. Now, why do I think that matters? I think those are two different pictures, right? At the same time, you have, between Mary and Joseph, you have the exact same level 
of obedience. Because, what does it say? I'm back in Matthew. I know I've been switching back and forth between Matthew and Luke. But you get back to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So when I think about the response of Mary, and I think about the response of Joseph... I'm not trying to take anything away from Mary. But Mary knew if she had been with a man or not. I can't help but think that Satan was always trying to tempt Joseph to wonder. I mean, Joseph knew. Joseph knew that he and Mary had not been intimate. So he knew for sure that that wasn't his. Okay? At the same time, that she was with child was never done before in the history of the world. That had never happened before. We have no recorded history of that ever have taken place. So he can't say, hey, this happened to my second cousin across the pond 20 years ago. That had never happened before. There was zero scientific explanation. And you can imagine all the hecklers. So you're Joseph. You didn't have a chance to ask the angel follow-up questions. You had a dream. You woke up and you did it. So when I think about Joseph not taking anything away from Zachariah, not taking anything away from Mary, but I think the faith of a man to wake up and go take her by the hand with all of the knowledge of the scorn they would receive from the culture, the hushed tones, the gossiping, the whispers, the side glances they would receive from their neighbors, from their family, from their friends, from their rabbis, from their priests, everywhere. And you go all throughout Scripture, and, and I couldn't find a single place where it referenced Jesus as being the son of Joseph. It is always... The the wife of Joseph and the son of Mary. It's never referenced. I mean, even though he served as the parent, it's never referenced that that was his child or that was his son. It is always that is the son of Mary. That's how all the gospel writers record it. Why Why does that matter to me, Spence? That matters to me because that must have been the perspective of everybody else around him that Jesus was the son of Mary but wasn't the son of Joseph. So this wasn't a hush-hush thing. You know, there's some, there's some people in this community in Wellston. There's some people in this community in Wellston that you assume that husband and wife, that that child is the result of that marriage. And then you learn, no, that was from a previous relationship on her side or on his side or whatever the case may be. Does that make sense? So there's sometimes that you may assume that and you don't know any different. And a lot of times people show up in a blended family kind of situation and it's like, oh, that's my son. It may not be biologically my son, but that's my son or that's my daughter. And we will use that terminology. In the biblical sense, they never refer to Jesus as being the son of Joseph. Because he's the son of God. But I just think to myself, the faith of this man... To serve as the parent of this child. To serve as the husband of the mother. And to... It says back in verse 34. He woke up 
And he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. The faith of Joseph. Now, 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 you may say, why is that a lesson to me? God told him what obedience looked like and he did it. So you take this little book right here and God tells you and I what obedience is. And if you're like me, you'll say, eh, eh, how about we do it on a percentage, God? How about I do 50% and then I don't do 50% and we'll just call it good. Or, or I'll do 51% that means I'm doing more good than I'm doing bad and you'll just kind of grade me on a curve. <laughs> or, or if you're like me and I'm not saying you are, I assume that everybody's got it more figured out than I do. Or you may say something like, well, but that was written then to them, not now to me. So now I get to be the determiner of what is relevant to me and what isn't relevant to me. And yet, God came to, God came to Joseph and said, do this, this is obedience. Says Joseph woke up and he did what was obedient. God gives us his word and we have a choice. Either we can get up and we can be obedient or we can get up and make excuses. But those are really the only two options we've got. There's some faith. There's some faith. Denise talked about obedience. There's, there's just an attitude. And, and I hadn't thought about it um, as far as, you know, you just assume same, same, same. But there's a difference in how God communicated to Mary and Zechariah versus how He communicated Joseph. And I think there's just a, a, another level of faith and obedience that Joseph woke up, had a dream. Now, I've had some very odd <coughs> dreams when I'm sleeping. And I have been told that if you take some chemicals or some additives, that you'll have even stranger dreams. Um, I listened to some interviews of some guys going down to South America and in a controlled environment and uh, having some very, very colorful, very, very uh, weird type dreams and visions. So, Joseph just wakes up, knows this from God, says, all right, here I am, being obedient. What's another lesson that you might think about we learned from Joseph? He was kind when he didn't have to. He had every right when Mary supposedly cheated on him to not only put her away, but to have her punished. And he was going to do it quietly because the Bible says he was a good man. And I think that there's he had every right to punish her, but he didn't. And he wasn't planning on it. And I think there's a level of kindness there that is a good model for us. Yeah. So there's one last lesson that I that I touches me. And that is his role and his purpose in life. So that Oftentimes the natural human tendency is we want the attention, we want the credit, we want the praise, we want the, we want the notoriety. So you think about Joseph, married the mother of the Messiah, provided and cared for the mother of the Messiah and the Messiah, and yet all 
he gets is, at best, an honorable mention. Now, I would think that if I was Joseph, I would say, you know what? I want a little bit more recognition. I don't want, I mean, I helped birth this child, right? I helped carry the mother all the way from Galilee down to Bethlehem, which is multiple days on a donkey. And then I birth this child and I care for this child. And then I go to Egypt. I relocate my family, relocate my business. I relocate everything to go down to Egypt because of the kid. And then I make sure he gets circumcised. I make sure we do the sacrifices. I make sure he gets back and forth the temple. I'm patient with him when he runs away in Jerusalem and hides out for a few days at the temple and all of these things. And yet Joseph is more like a footnote in the story of Jesus. I mean, Mary is much more prominent. John the Baptist is much more prominent. We, We know about Joseph because of a little small snippet. But everything else is just kind of rolled into uh, yeah, 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 next because the spotlight is on Jesus. And yet, Joseph was willing. He was willing to say, this is my role. My role is not to be in the limelight. My role is not to be recognized. My role is not to be there at the crucifixion when Jesus is dying. My role is to do what God told me to do. Sometimes, sometimes we can get caught up in wanting the place of popularity and not being content with the place of obedience. Does that make sense? We want the stardom. We And so we're not looking for the place of obedience because we want everybody to look at me. Focus on me. Pay attention to me. And and that is why social media at at best is demonic and at worst is double demonic. Because some of that feeds that desire to say, me, 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 me. I want to see how many people are paying attention to me. It, it, it it, It is dangerous how many people use... Some of, those, some of those avenues and it feeds in that desire to be known, to be liked, to be recognized, to, to be praised. And Joseph is sitting there. His role was not to be popular. His role was not to have his name in lights. His role was not to be a major figure in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. His goal was to make sure that Jesus didn't die as a baby. Sometimes we got to ask ourselves the question of what we're really pursuing. Obedience or popularity? Can they both be the same? They could both be the same. But there's, I think, more times than not that people are chasing popularity instead of pursuing after obedience and they miss the mark. Does that make sense? They, they miss that opportunity to say, I don't have to have the fame and the recognition because it's about the glory of God. So those are some things that stuck out to me. Anything else that catches you? Thank you for joining us today at FBC Wellston. We would love to hear from you or connect with you. If you will visit our website at fbcwellston.org. Please let us know if we can serve you in any way, and we look forward to connecting with you in the future.